You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ryan Wood, Packers beat writer. You could find his work, PackersNews.com with the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Ryan, any surprises as you look at that roster? What was the biggest shock to you yesterday? Shock is a bit strong, but mm-hmm. surprise, the biggest surprise is probably Jake Kumro not making the 53, but that literally is to say there's really no surprises because Jake Kumro was ninth on the team in receptions last year. He was eighth in yards receiving and was firmly, firmly on the bubble. And when you look at what they did, and I know Brian Gutekind said that it wasn't tip for tat, it wasn't necessarily taking Malik Taylor for Jake Kumro, but that that's essentially what it boils down to. Uh, they went with the higher upside player, and, and those decisions on the bubble often come down to which player has more upside. Jake Kumro as a receiver is what he is at this point. Malik Taylor, he, he might be what he is. We, we don't know. The Packers don't know. And so the, the upside won there. Um, same thing with backup tackle with Alex Light and Yash Nijman. Uh, that. Yash Nijman is a guy that is a, he's big, he's athletic, he's raw, he's a project, but he's got a lot of upside. Alex Light, we've seen Alex Light. But we, we know what Alex Light is right now. So you saw upside over over proven commodity, and that's often how it is. So, yeah, I, you know, just because the quarterback says that Dick Coomer is on the team doesn't mean that he's on the team. Because if we learned anything about Aaron Rodgers' influence and pull on the Packers organization this year is that he doesn't have the power to make roster decisions. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. I was going to make a joke. How do you compare this, you know, to the team not bringing back Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson as they? I know they've developed a little bit of a relationship, but what have you seen from Malik Turner? You know, because at first everybody was talking about Reggie Begleton, and luckily he's going to get a shot on the practice squad. You know, but people were talking about Darius Shepard. What separates Malik Taylor, you know, from the other guys that were cut yesterday, like a Jay Kumaro, besides upside? Like, what have you seen from him at practice? You know, the stuff that you could actually talk about that they're not banning you from. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a lot on the practice field that, that differentiates. Look, Darius Shepard had a really good camp. Uh, Reggie Bagleton, he, he's a guy that yeah, he, he's, he's impressive in his own right, coming over from the CFL and, and doing what he did last year. It, it, is, it is an upside decision. Malik Taylor... He runs a four-four. He jumps thirty-six inches on the vertical. He's he's got more athletic potential, and that's what won the day. Um, and and you see that quite often. So, you know, I, the, the reality of receivers is that they had several guys right on the bubble. Um, Malik Taylor, one of them. Jake Umro, one of them. Um, Reggie Bagleton, uh, Malik Turner, who got claimed by the Cowboys, and Darius Shepard. All those guys were on the bubble. When you have a, a bloated bubble, sometimes you see teams do what the Packers did and go light on the 53. They only kept five receivers. The reason being, you can even if you lose one, like they did with Willie Turner, 
you can still get a, a few of those guys through to the practice squad, and they were able to with, with Reggie Bagleton and Darius Shepard. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of standard operating procedure. Yeah, absolutely. Who do you think makes that big jump? Like, are you expecting a lot from Alan Lazard as the wide receiver number two, or do you think this is finally the year that MVS puts it all together, year three? Or are you sold on EQ having a big year, you know, coming off that injury? Yeah, yeah, I think EQ still has some rust to knock off, and it's going to be a process for him. Al Lazard, you look at Al Lazard and MVS, it kind of is the same type of thing that we're talking about here. Right. It's, Al Lazard is more proven. He made more plays last year. He was the number two receiver, and he earned that. MVS has far more athletic potential and, and, and upside. He's, he's got the size that Al Lazard has, but he runs a 4.37. He, he's, he's just a rare blend of, of size and speed. So with MVS, it's hard, right? Because he had a good camp, and there were some shaky moments in the beginning, but he got over those, and that was important for him. And the last week and a half, two weeks of camp, MVS was really good. He was really good every day, and that was the most important thing for him, and he brought it every day, and the consistency was there. But there's just a huge difference. There's a gulf between what happens in, obviously, in August and in, in, in the camp, and then when regular season starts and the games are real and the pressure is much higher and there's consequences for what happens on the field, to me, the real test is going to be the next time MVS has adversity or, or has a play go wrong, drops a pass in a regular season game. How does how does he handle that? Because I know MVS has said that he never lost confidence last year, but his head coach and his quarterback said he did. Right. And those guys know. So <laughs> – how does he handle that adversity is, is really going to be the real test for him. You know, when we talk about the receiver position, then I look at the tight ends, and you keep four tight ends, Mercedes Lewis, uh, Robert Tanyan, Jay Sternberger, and Josiah DeGuara, who's also, you know, I don't know if he's an H-backer, if he's a tight end, whatever he is. But with Sternberger, I was getting excited. We had him on the show, and he was talking about LaFleur maybe working him out of the slot. I thought maybe, you know, he might end up being a glorified wide receiver. And then we talk with Mike Clemens, and he's talking about how Sternberger struggled a little bit in camp, and you know he shows flashes, but then he struggles a little bit. As far as the tight end position, a who's the starter, and what do you expect from these guys? You know, Mercedes Lewis, we kind of know what he is at this point. He's more of a glorified tackle. He's more of a blocker. He's not probably going to catch fifty balls. Uh, what have you seen from Deguara? What have you seen from Tanyan, and then Sternberger? Jay Sternberger did have a rough camp, and it started with being on the COVID-19 list. So right. that's obviously not a great way to, to start camp. But even when he got back, I mean, I, you don't see assistant coaches stop practice for a timeout during team drills very often. That's what Justin Outen had to do running onto the field for a timeout to, to make sure that Jay Sternberger was lined up correctly. That That's, that's not a good look. So, um, you know, I think that there's some rust there, and he's still developing. He's still a young player. As far as who's the starter, the thing with the tight end position is that it's almost kind of like a bullpen. I, they, there's all kinds of specialty roles that you can use that, from that group. Mercedes Lewis is the early down run blocker, and, and because of that, he's going to get a lot of snaps. He might get the most snaps from the tight ends. Uh, Robert Tanyan is a move guy. I mean, he's he's going to be moving all very similar to Jay Sternberger. And if you you know if those are the two move guys, Robert Tanyan has established himself ahead of Jay Sternberger, but. Uh, Robert Tanya is going to get a lot of snaps, and he's going to be, in theory, if he can stay healthy, um, he, he's going to get an opportunity to be the number one receiving target from the group this year. And then you're right, Josiah DeGuara, he's in everything. He, he, he lines up everywhere. And, and we saw him very rarely, but occasionally, line up at uh, wide uh, of the formation as a receiver. So 
Yeah, they, they've got a lot of versatility, a lot of diversity in their skill set in that group, and, and there's not one guy. There's not a George Kittle or Travis Kelsey here. But by committee, uh, they, they've got all the bases covered. Talking with Ryan Wood, you can find his work, PackerNews.com. And, you know, why I'm excited, because I don't really know what to expect on Sunday, you know, with this roster offensively, year two in LaFleur's system. Because what do you think the snap count's going to look like for the running backs? Like, how are they going to use Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? I figure Jamal Williams is going to be used as, you know, more of a pass protector. But A.J. Dillon, I'm excited to see. Are we going to get a heavy dose of A.J. Dillon? You know, week one, there's been no preseason. So against Minnesota, are we going to see him on these goal line situations, short yard situations, or is are they going to kind of, like, ease him into things? What do you think that snap count looks like as far as running backs go uh, come Sunday against the Vikings? I think you probably see A.J. Dillon get sprinkled in early in the season, including Sunday. Um, and the, the rotations probably going to be a lot like it is, has been in, in the early season the past couple of years. I, I don't think they're going to overwork Aaron Jones, and we're probably going to be screaming about it come next Monday. But they're probably not going to overwork Aaron Jones in the first game of the year. Uh, that They're going to do what they've done and, and build him up because this is a playoff caliber team and they're going to have aspirations of having uh, a deep playoff run and you need Aaron Jones to be at his best late in the season not early in the season so I I don't think much is going to change in terms of how they've operated and they've they've distributed snaps and carries and touches and all that in the past I I don't think Jamal Williams is just going to be a blocker either that's that's what he does really well but Mm -hmm. I think he's going to get some touches as well I think it's going to be very similar to what you've seen in the past with a little bit more uh, A.J. Dillon to start the season. Even though Devontae is healthy, like I go back to the game against Kansas City, and I just love the game plan, and I feel like if the Packers, if Matt LaFleur had that same game plan against San Francisco, not saying they beat the Niners, but at least I think that things would have been much better. And then they kind of went away with it when Devontae came back. It was just targeting him. But I really like using Aaron Jones as a pass catcher too. Do you think that we get more – you know, an offense that looks like against Kansas City, or do you think it's going to be kind of the offense that we saw late in the season where it was just target Devontae Adams 15 times, hand the ball off to Aaron Jones, and kind of just a vanilla playbook? Yeah, we saw Aaron Rodgers target his running backs quite a bit in camp. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Aaron Rodgers operates differently in camp than he operates in the regular season. Case in point, he throws far more interceptions in camp than in the regular season. He, he tests guys like that. So I don't know how much of that is is – can can be projected as a carryover. I think w- w- with with your question, Ryan, it's just who lines up across from Aaron Jones. The, right. the, the Chiefs put a linebacker on him all game, and he just he, he torched them. He made them pay for that. After that, you didn't see a lot of linebackers on Aaron Jones. A lot of safeties. Safety. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. So if if they if if the Vikings put a linebacker across from Aaron Jones, yeah, move them all over the the, the formation in the passing game and and throw it to him at will. Uh, if it is a safety, it's very possible he's more of a decoy and he opens things up for other guys. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at the defensive side of the ball, uh, last question, we'll let you run. You know, Zadarius and Preston were so damn good last year. I think that – I expect them to have big years. I don't know if they're going to have the same type of numbers that they put up last year. What do you expect from Rashawn Gary? Do you expect a big sophomore year for him? And how are they going to use him? How are they going to get him on the field? Similar to MVS and how I'm, you know, he had a great camp, and I'm really curious how that carries over. Rashawn Gary is the same way. Rashawn Gary had a great camp. He, he, in a lot of ways, he, he was the talk of camp. Uh, outside linebacker Mike Smith, uh, outside linebackers coach Mike Smith, mm-hmm. could not say enough good things about Rashawn Gary. It went all the way up to, to Matt Lafleur, and, and he, he he had a lot of praise for, for Rashawn Gary. 
you watch him in one on ones, and it's astonishing. I mean, he's got he's just he's just dripping with athletic potential. He, he offensive tackles in open space one on one cannot stay with him. What we saw in camp this year that was different than last year because last year we saw the one on ones. This year he started doing it more in eleven on eleven in team setting. And when you're able to do that, and let's remember that Rashawn Gary, he was hand, in his, hand on the ground, six technique, defensive end at Michigan. Yep. He comes to the Packers, and not just is he adjusting to the NFL and the quicker game speed, but now he's standing up. He sees the entire field. There's way more to process, especially for a young guy who's not used to doing that. So there was a learning curve there. If the game has slowed down, if, if he can process – the game more and he's able to be more cerebral in terms of not just using his athleticism but packaging it together with an arsenal of pass rushing moves and being able to play one move off of another the science of pass rushing if he's able to do that then you're possibly looking at three stud pass rushers on the field a lot i think you're going to see rashawn gary with the smiths a lot because Zedaria smith can move inside to interior defensive lineman rashawn gary can do that as well uh, that's that's a look that opposing offensive lines are, are they they very well could have their hands full with that so it's all it's all an if right I mean it, right. John Gary has got to carry the work in camp into the regular season but if he does that this this defensive front could be pretty ferocious against uh, against the pass Ryan thanks so much man we'll talk with you uh, later on in the week at your prediction for the game on Sunday. All right, take care. Thanks, bud. 414-799-1250 if you guys want to weigh in on anything that we just covered there with Ryan Wood. We're going to talk a little Packers football. We're going to hear from Brian Gudikins. We're going to break down the defensive side of the ball. I'm excited when I hear good reviews about Rashawn Gary. I predicted him to have double-digit sacks this year. I just I think Zadarius and Preston are going to put up big numbers. I would be shocked if they uh, duplicated or replicated the numbers that they put up last year, especially when you look at pro football focuses, numbers on just – Zadarius being double-teamed pretty much every snap. So is he going to have double-digit sacks? I'm not sure. But I do expect a big year for Rashawn Gary, and I can't wait to see how they use him. Maybe it's a good thing that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekinds don't allow uh, any of the reporters to do their jobs anymore because I don't know what to expect from the Packers offensively on Sunday in year two under LaFleur. How are they going to use all their running backs in these tight ends? And then I don't know what to expect defensively. I am very excited about Kevin King this year, contract year for Kevin King. He was able to stay on the field last year, and he was awesome. Jair, I think, is going to be a lockdown corner, a top five corner. The only thing I ask of Jair is catch the football. You know, um, when the ball hits your hands, catch it, please, for the love of God. Uh, We'll hear from Brian Gutekinds, though. We're going to break down the linebacker position as well a little bit, hear what he's seen from Christian Kirksey at practice. Again, I like Christian Kirksey, but I've only seen him three times in the last three years as he struggled to stay on the field in Cleveland due to injury. So we'll break down a little bit of the defensive side of the ball. We'll hear from Packers general manager Brian Gutekinds. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 